News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, I'd like you to join us here today at uh, on the telephone or by texting me at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. And you can call about just about anything, whether it be your trees outside or your maybe you're growing some vegetables inside, maybe herbs inside, uh, or you got some of those uh, house plants. Uh, my daughter here is with me here today too, and and today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, about decorating indoor the house, and also about some different insects that people have been calling about, and how to deal with those as well. Um, so what we've been this week has been uh, kind of interesting because we're having that yo-yo weather effect again. So we had, went from really cold to uh, yesterday, where you know we had up in some places like five degrees in Saskatoon. So it's and other places even got even warmer. So it's you're going to be seeing a lot of that up and down and with that comes some issues uh there's, there's pretty much around the province there's some snow around except for some places down the south around maple creek and all that kind of stuff i think they have a little less quite a bit less snow there but you're having a lot of problems with the snow melting away from the south side of the house uh, because it got so much warmer there with this heat we've had and so just make sure if you got some tender plants there you probably have been dealing with them over a number of years, but if you have some, a lot of new new uh, gardeners out there and they've been dealing with plants that are, you know, that they may planted on the south side of the house and the snow now is melting away, now is the time to remember to go out there and just grab some snow from the rest of the yard and just put it on top of your um, your plants so that they just keep a little more protected. So what types of plants? I know some perennials, um, so some of your hostas, yeah. um, some of your ajugas, your heuchera or coral bells, those would be some of your more tender plants. How about trees and shrubs? Which ones are more tender? Well, the shrubs, you're thinking about like your hydrangeas. That's that's the biggest one that a lot of people are putting a lot more in. Um, some of your other plants, um, some of your more tender, um, there's even new varieties of nine barks out there that are a little bit less uh, less hardy, but they're not bad. So uh, also, you get, but the trees are all fine. Uh, the most of the junipers are all fine, except for some of the cedars. Um, things like um, um, your your upright cedars, like your your degroot spires and those kind of things. Uh, some of your your um, your your emerald cedars and that kind of stuff. Those are the ones when it gets this warm. When you want to actually put some wrapping around your cedars, that'll also help the top. But there again, making sure that you know there's snow on the on the ground around the plant, so the frost doesn't get to the roots. So make sure if you're going to do that wrapping, which you can do. Anytime during the wintertime, uh, I like wrapping, especially before March, uh, because March is when the sun comes up and gets even warmer for the cedars and junipers. And so uh, just making sure you got six inches off the ground so that you got snow on the ground to protect the roots. Okay. And we are a zone 2B to 3 yes. here in Saskatchewan. So anything that on the tag it says, like it's a 3 or a 4, um, usually you want to make sure you have some extra insulation around them. And there is a lot of plants that we do grow because you can, you know, in, in more in the cities and in, inside the towns or really sheltered areas, there's a lot of zone 4 plants that we have great success growing in Saskatchewan, uh, just as long as they got the shelter and they got the, you know, the the guaranteed snow cover. I know lots of people who are even having success with zone five plants in these sort of urban um, sort of climates that we have. Yeah. You're, you're those, having... ones, those ones are mulching quite a bit yes, with leaves exactly. and all this kind of stuff, giving them a little extra protection. But yeah, I know that we are doing a lot more like that. Um, so 
Also, Joe, what a lot of people are asking right now is uh, right now the, the great amaryllis bulb that everybody you know picked up from the stores or from the garden centers and florist shops. Now they're getting taller and they got the bulb on top and now some people are saying they're starting to flower. So what do I do with them? Well, it's great the progression of seeing an amaryllis bulb bloom. I know some of my friends, they will take snapshots and send me them. It's growing. It's budding. It's blooming. And uh, so now that it's starting to bloom, if you want the bloom to last a little bit longer, take it away from that bright, sunny window. And keeping it away from that sunlight will help the bloom actually last longer. Now, once that amaryllis bulb blooms, Take that bloom off, just like you would deadhead a normal flower, and sometimes you'll get a second or even a third shoot on that amaryllis bulb. So um, it's it's kind of like an orchid where you don't want to cut it down completely yet until the stalk starts dying back. Now, when you're pulling it away from the window, away from the sun, do you still want to be in bright light? Is that right? Because the second stalk is obviously going to need some bright yeah, light. Yeah, so bright indirect light is kind of where you want yep. the amaryllis, not indirect light, and you'll get that bloom lasting a lot longer. Yeah, longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so um, with that, with that, now how about watering it? Well, watering, if they have that wax coating on the amaryllis bulb, you're lucky. That's uh, totally neglectable yeah. there. You can just leave it alone. Um, otherwise, they are a bulb, so you don't want to keep the soil saturated. So stick your little finger into the soil about an inch, an inch and a half down. When the soil feels dry to the touch, then it's time to water. So join us here at one 332 8255 either on the phone call or text. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, now, that, talking about that wax around that, they're, not, they're sitting right on the table. There's no soil in the pod or anything like that. What do they do after that amaryllis is blooming? Do they just leave that bulb in the wax sitting there, or what do they do? Well, there's a few things you can do. You can leave it in the wax bulb, and sometimes you'll get a second shoot coming out. Yep. So do that. And then after you're finished, you can actually take a, a little knife and kind of score the wax and peel the wax off. And then you can store that bulb and put it put it away or plant it in your garden yep. for the summertime. And then you want to put it into cold storage um, for the next season for about eight weeks. And that's what will get it to restart blooming again. So I, I find, too, if you just leave it outside, if you plant it outside, either whether in a pot or in, in the ground, just leave it outside until until the beginning of September. Mm-hmm. You know, when the ground is getting cold outside, but the ground's not freezing. Yes. And I find that that will also help to, to trigger it off. It'll just set that bulb enough enough that you uh, that it'll it'll trigger it up the the bulb. And then what you do is once you have it in a pot, in the ground when you bring it out of the pot out of the ground, you'll actually disturb the roots. And then when you put it into a pot for indoors, then that'll actually trigger it as well. But if it's in a pot or ready out in the deck, when you bring it in, transplant it into another pot or put it right back in the same pot again if you want. And then that will also trigger it to rebloom for you. The other thing when you're getting your amaryllis to rebloom is um, timing it correctly. It, once you plant it up and it's been through that kind of dormant stage, it takes about two to three weeks for it to rebloom again. So if you want it to bloom at a certain time period, keep it in cold storage until a point when you're about two to three weeks out um, from when you want it to bloom. So um, this, what I was reading in the paper, uh, able to get the Bridges paper, it's in the Saskatoon area. There was a great tribute in there to Sarah Williams. Oh. And so if you get a chance to read that and get a hold of that copy of The Bridges, or you can, I think you can look online too if you want. And it's a great tribute to Sarah Williams, who was a, a great horticulturist. It, it wrote lots of books for the prairies, which was awesome that the, these books are meant for the prairies. Uh, one of her, one of her popular books that, that won her, I think, some awards is Zeroscaping. And, um, and that's watering with, uh, plant, landscaping without using less water. 
And so uh, Sarah's done a lot from from uh, growing um, plants in, in, in Saskatoon. She has a, uh, an acreage just outside of Saskatoon, a, a lots in a pure sand, and she's growing lots of great perennial gardens, and she's a perennial guru as well. And then also she's um, in Tanzania. She, she's done a lot for helping uh, in a... In a in a, in a women's, um, I think it's a women's shelter or, and anyway, she's, she done a lot to get, uh, planting gardens and be self-sustaining out there and I've done a lot of work to get that actually those, um, that, that, um, that schoolhouse and everything else built there. So, um, she's done a lot, uh, in the gardening and even, even with the University of Saskatchewan, uh, with the, uh, extension and working on guard, on the garden line there. Uh, she's done a lot to get all that going on. So it was just, if you get a chance to, to read that tribute to Sarah, it was in the Bridges, uh, paper. Uh, actually, it was a good part of the paper. <laughs> it was about four or five pages. And, uh, so if you get a chance to look at that, uh, a great tribute to, uh, to Sarah Williams. Well, I know as well, like, um, a lot of our staff even use her, her books as a little handbook, like best trees and shrubs for the prairies, um, gardening naturally, a chemical free handbook for the prairies, um, and the Saskatoon forestry farm and zoo. Um, so she's done a lot here yeah. and a thing I love about it is it applies right here to the prairies. Yeah, she did one about the, the history of, of horticulture mm-hmm. right down to all the different, uh, professors that, that, that did a lot of work for, for uh, uh, introducing new plants. Uh, and she's worked a lot with Hugh Skinner out of Manitoba, which is a, a, a great person as well that uh, introduced a lot of plants uh, for the for the prairies. And uh, so it's been really good. Yeah. So, and, and she also initiated the Master Gardeners um, program yeah, here in Saskatoon. Saskatoon, there you go. So we're going to go to a break right now, and we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to talk a little about decorating the indoors. So uh, you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good Sunday morning and welcome. This is Garden Talk. You're listening to Rick and Jill Van Daverdijk. And uh, I'd like you to join us here at one 332 8255 And you can do that by either phoning or it's the text is the same number. one 332 8255 And uh, that number there you can use just like Barb is here uh, from Moose Jaw. Good morning, Barb. How are you? Good morning. Fine, fine, thank you. Very good. Uh, I have several amaryllis bulbs that I have kept over the years, and I have uh, put them out in the balconies during the summer and kept the leaves on them, kept them watered, and then I, um, about in the 1st of September, I take them out, uh, cut off the leaves. When I let them wither, cut the leaves off. This is the second year in a row that after I have planted them, all I get is leaves. So one thing that you can do with that is after they come out of dormancy, so you want to make sure that after you cut off the leaves, I actually will stick them even in a fridge crisper or something like that for about six weeks. Um, that will really help reset them. Um, then the next thing you want to do is once they come out of dormancy, make sure you're giving them water, sunlight, and then I give them fertilizer as well. And that will help get enough energy in that bulb so that they're going to be strong and blooming again for you. So try those things. The dormancy is so, so important for the amaryllis bulb. So if they're not getting enough dormancy um, time, they won't have enough strength or power built up in that bulb. And you'll get kind of a little bit of a lime colored greens and green leaves. And the leaves sometimes will even look a little bit limp or sometimes you'll just get leaves and you won't get much of a bloom. Now, now, Barb, you were talking about when you when you did you have them planted in the garden or did you have them in the pots out in the deck? No, they're in pots because okay. uh, we're in a condo. So okay, yes. so uh, when you bring them back inside, uh, do you, tr- you did you tra- say you transplanted them or anything like that, or did you take them out of the pot? 
I took them out of the pot okay. and I put them in a bag and put them in a cool room. Okay. Now, with the, when you took them out of the pot, you, when you before you cut the leaves off, did you let the leaves sort of dry right out before you? Yes, bef- I did. Okay, perfect. Because that all the energy from the leaves goes back into the bulb, and that's what's so mm-hmm. so key. That's important. But I'd maybe try putting an extra couple weeks on that dormancy stage and see if maybe that helps. And then when you take them out, make sure you're adding some fertilizer as well. And you can just use a 20-20-20 fertilizer. That's just fine. Or a 15-30-15 fertilizer as well. I have that alfalfa tea. Is that all right? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that'll work out as well. It has a lot of the other micronutrients, which it'll really love. Um, just make sure if you when you put it in the fridge you uh, with any kind of bulbs, whether it be tulip bulbs or, or, uh, or amaryllis, doesn't matter. You can't put it in with any fruit, Okay, so because uh, the, the ethylene gases from the fruit will actually uh, will kill the bulb. So just make sure okay. if you're putting in the fridge, make sure there's no fruit in the fridge at all. Uh, so maybe a, a, a separate fridge you got in the garage or something like that. Um, that'd be better than putting it into your with the vegetables. I mean, with yeah, the no, fruit, I just had the them fruit. in a paper bag in a in a cool closet yep. sort of thing, and then when I I checked them before I planted them, and some of them were starting to sprout. So, yep. then, oh, so, that's, so that's when I planted them and, and started them. And I'm afraid I can't remember if I put fertilizer in or not, but I have given them fertilizer since. But um, so far, you know, they, they look healthy. Yep. But just nothing, nothing, nothing comes. So, yeah, so maybe what you're no, going to have to I do got is. some lovely leaves. And it, and it sounds like they, you said they're starting to sprout in that cool room. So that cool room might not be quite cool, cool, cool enough, enough. Um, okay. because if they're staying dormant, they actually won't sprout until you take them out of that cool room. So but, maybe but, a little bit cooler would be better. That's why the fridge is perfect, because you're sitting around 4 degrees, right? And okay, so I'll try and give them some, some room in my fridge. <laughs> you have a fun project on your hands now. Yes, I do. I've got about seven bulbs. Oh, that's perfect. amazing. Perfect. Let us know how it goes. Yes. Well, the other question I have is last year I had put them in a bigger pot and had put about five in that pot, made sure they weren't touching, and they didn't bloom either. So obviously I've done much the same thing. Is it all right to put them in a big pot like that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Not touching is the key. Like you don't want touching because then you can get little rot spots right where where the two bulbs are touching. And so just as long as there's just a little bit of space between them, they're fine. And I actually okay. will mix mine, like I have mine in a pot, I have some amaryllis bulbs in there, I have some hyacinth bulbs, and I just recently took one of my um, blooming plants, I had a calancho in my pot too, and I took that out and I put a poinsettia in with it. So you can definitely mix and make some arrangements with your amaryllis bulbs too. Well, that's what I did. I had different colored bulbs and I thought, oh, this is going to be pretty when they bloom, but all I got was leaves. Leaves. Mm, yes. I'll make sure next this summer that and when I take them out uh, out of the pot that I give them enough dormancy. Yeah, so, give give yeah. them that cool that little bit cooler temperature and uh, mm-hmm. for those for the four to six weeks. Very good. Okay. Very good. Thank you and very Merry Christmas. Love your show. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you. And we have here also um, uh, Adolf from Regina. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm fine. What I have is a problem with my rescue crab apple. Mm-hmm. For years, I had very good rescue crab apples. Yep. But in the last couple of years, I've had some sort of an insect that, from the outside, the apple generally looks quite good. Yep. But when you open it up, there's little brown traces running through the apple. Yeah. And what you have is called the apple maggot. Okay. 
And so uh, they're really tough to get rid of, okay? So what's very key to remember that if you do have that uh, the apple maggot is that you have to pick all your apples like this next year. You'll have to pick all the apples before they touch the ground, okay? Because otherwise right now the, the, the maggot came out of the apple and, and it's right now is a larva into the, in the ground. You know, they burrow into the ground around the base of the apple tree and then they're in the ground and now next next uh, basically in end of June and July, they'll come out of the ground as a fly and they'll go up and they'll try to fly, they'll fly around and look for the app, little, little forming apples and they'll lay their eggs beside them as well. So, and then they'll burrow back in again for next year. Okay, so, uh, so you, what you can do, uh, next, next, um, basically in about the middle, starting about the middle of June, is you can actually put up in your tree, you can put up some fake apples. And, uh, it's, it's, and what it is, and you can either use the fake apple, or you can buy apple maggot lures, they're called, or you can even take a, a lime green tennis ball, right? And, and hang them with the string, like, just like you're doing the Christmas tree, the Christmas balls in your tree, and you get some what's called tangle foot. Okay. And then what mm-hmm. you do is you use Tanglefoot and then you, uh, you spray, you, you put, you smish, you, um, you put the Tanglefoot around the, the, um, the tennis ball or the, uh, the apple lure. And then what happens is that the, the fly, when it comes out of the ground, will stick to that, that apple because it gets stuck with that, with that sticky, um, Tanglefoot, it's called. And then it can't go, uh, lay eggs on the, on the other apples. And so you'll never get rid of all of them, but it just, it helps quite a bit to get rid of a lot of them. The only thing I've had some people say uh, that, that they've had problems with is that um, when they put those traps up there, they find the little wrens and that they're going to go after the, uh, after the flies that are on those balls or, or the lures and they get stuck on them on the, on the uh, tangle foot, which is really, it's, it's organic and it's sticky, sticky, very sticky. And so people are now putting little meshes around those apples so that the flies can get in, but the birds can't get at it. So what about um, those fly traps? The, the, um, yep. Any any type of sticky fly traps? Anything that'll attract them? The, the bird wouldn't get stuck on them. Yep. They, they, yeah. They well, yeah, any, any type of trap that'll attract that, that, that lure. Now, what I'm trying to find also is that to find if I can get a, and I haven't found one yet, I'm looking for um, a nematode that you can put in the soil around your tree, and then they'll go and attack that larva before it hatches out to a fly. Uh, but I haven't found one yet that, that, that'll work specifically for, for apple maggots, but it is a big problem, and they say they are working on it, so uh, hopefully we'll find one that can, that can take care of that. So I've got one other idea that you just triggered yep. when you were talking to me, and Alice, you said that they land on the ground and then they fly up from there. Yes. Well, now, if, if I were to say hypothetically, take a plastic tarp and put it on the ground. Yeah, you might be able to stop around them. the perimeter. You might be able to stop them from coming out around there as well. And they couldn't come out at all, and therefore uh, they wouldn't be able to fly up yeah. to the tree because they wouldn't be able to be there. It's worth they a try. The it's worth a try. And yeah, so that, that, that's. Uh, but uh, what about? Uh, can, can I get you to uh, out of? We have to go to news right now. Would you like to oh, stay on the line and we'll t- finish our conversation just after oh, that? Just one quick question. Uh, I, right now, I have oh. to go to news. If I can just put you on hold, and oh, then yeah. we'll we'll catch you right after. This is six fifty CQM and nine eighty CJME.
Welcome to Sunday Mornings at Garden Talk. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, myself, uh, Rick Van Dominick and Jill Van Dominick here with you today. And we'd like you to join with us at one 332 8255 That's either the telephone or it also the same number for you which like to text us at one 332 Before we went to the break, Joe, we had uh, Adolf talking about some apple maggots. So we're going to join back with him again because he had another question. You're so, thank you for staying on the line. Uh, your question you had? Yeah, my second question yep. was, if I were to get um, ladybugs, would that solve anything? Um, the ladybugs, probably not. Uh, the only time ladybugs would help is that also, because apples do get aphids as well, it'll help with that. And if the, if the ladybugs eat the eggs before they before they hatch then that could hap- that could work as well but it it's uh it's a tough thing because um, the ladybugs a lot of times are going to be um uh like I said if there's other aphids on the tree already uh but otherwise they're going to be going after other plants so the ladybugs that were where there's more bugs for them to eat okay so uh and uh, unless you got a, a bunch of aphids on which you don't see the aphids on apple trees as much um you won't you won't they won't be a lot on there or they won't if you release them on the apple tree they won't uh, stay there so um um, so the best way to do is when you even have those sticky what you can do though is you do have those sticky traps out there and you can google online what the flies look like and if you do do some scouting and watch those traps if you see some flies on on that are on there then what you can do is you can spray with a product called ambush Okay, and then what will happen is that a lot of times when those those uh, worms hatch, they're just on the outside of the apple for a bit before they actually, sometimes they'll even eat on the leaves a bit before they'll go into the apple. And so you might be able to, you, there's just a very short time if you do your scouting and watching for the fly when they've laid the eggs, you can spray, you know, once just about that time. But that's about the only way. Uh, other than that, just making sure, Adolf, that you, um, that if you do have them next year, you have to pick the apples before they drop off the tree. And, uh, and then, uh, don't put them in the compost, don't put them in the garbage or whatever, or otherwise, I mean, those, those, those little worms are just protein anyways, you can just make a pie still. <laughs> so, but, uh. So one other question. Yep. Thing that I was, one thing that I did notice, why I mentioned the ladybugs, is I did have one or two small areas where there was a lot of ladybugs right around the apple. Yep. And the apples were good right in that location. Yeah, well, and like I said, if you had ladybugs there, and if they're there at the right time, then they'll absolutely, they eat lots of eggs. They'll eat, they'll eat lots of eggs, and so that'll really take care of it. Okay, because yeah. that, uh, but it, but there were a whole bunch in that one area. Yeah. Well, if, if you have yeah. lots, if you have lots of natural predators, that's the best way to go. Absolutely. So if you can even, you can even put some ladybugs. You can actually buy ladybug houses and attract it so that you attract your natural ladybugs to your area too. So, uh, or like I said, you can also purchase them. But the last couple of years, ladybugs have been really short supply. So, um, I hadn't been able to get for the last two years now, I haven't been able to get any ladybugs. And so, um, but so, but you can track natural ones and, uh, using those, those little ladybugs houses and and they have actually a lure with them that attracts ladybugs that's perfect assuming that just by chance i gave the wrong description of of what i what it was if it was actually aphids that were my problem what's 
was there any solution for aphids? Yeah, if the aphids, you just, like said, do that ladybug attracting, or you can use the things like the insecticidal soaps as well you can spray your tree with. And, um, and that will work for the aphids. But you're talking about the little lines in, inside the apples. That's not uh, aphids. That, that's actually the apple maggots. So, okay. Thank okay. you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Have a great Bye. day. Uh, so if you'd like to join us here, that's a great question we had here. There's lots of different questions people have, both whether they're trees they had in their yard from last year or something that's growing in their house right now. Give us a call at one 332 8255 and that's either by, by telephone or by text as well. Um, so, Jill, I saw a cartoon. Actually, my, 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 um, my brother-in-law sent me this cartoon. And it was a cartoon, and just picture this. And uh, so it has a, a picture of, of a tree inside the house, okay? okay? And the wife says to the husband, says, where did you get such a beautiful Christmas tree? <laughs> I, th- I heard there was a shortage of trees. And he says, yeah, there was. And then in the next little picture, it shows a big, long stepladder in th- on, on the on the on the spruce tree out in front of the yard, they cut the top of it off. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so you know, it was it was pretty funny, but it actually uh, uh, it, it was pretty. I go, whoops. <laughs> so, but he got his beautiful Christmas, his Christmas tree for tree. his wife. But uh, so, anyways, um, there's there has been a, short, a shortage of Christmas trees out there. I know that. Uh, uh, so a lot of people are saying they have to check around and phone around and and going to different lots to try to find their Christmas tree. But you know, one thing they can do is getting their Christmas tree as well is that. Um, there is some Christmas tree farms that you can go that are around Saskatchewan uh, that that you can go and cut your own tree down, and also you can also um, um, go onto the provincial government's website. And there's places if you're in northern part of Saskatchewan, central to northern part of Saskatchewan, or down by Cypress Hills. There's places in the provincial forest where you actually get a permit and you can go and cut your own tree down. Mm. And so just make, but you have to make sure that you find out because they'll tell you where you can go. You just because there might be some private land you don't want to be cutting trees all down on private land. But there's places where you can go and take the family out and go on an outing and, and go and pick your own tree and go walk around and cut your tree and bring it in. A and perfect so, family tradition. Yeah, and they, I know they were doing it even up at Waska Sioux in the park because they had some areas where they did some clear cutting to protect the protect the um, the town site from forest fires and some of the trees growing grown up again. And so you can check there too if you're up and if you want to if you want to spend a time up by Waska Sioux, whether you're going to go there and spend some time up there at uh, Elk Ridge or Waska Sioux, uh, and there's lots of snowshoeing, and there's quite a bit more snow up there. And, uh, it's or, beautiful up there or, this time and of year. You, you can go up there and bring back your tree as well, and they have places up there. I'm pretty sure they had, in the last couple of years, we had places where you can actually go and cut a tree down hmm. there as well, because they want to keep those areas clear uh, so that they're protecting the town site from forest fires. And the trees usually look a little bit different than what you would see in a normal tree tree lot, but if you're looking at all the home decor magazines, some of those trees which have a little bit more sparser sparser branches on them are actually really on trend for decorating right now. So just look at some of those Pinterest ideas for maybe a little bit more sparse um, tree on how to decorate it. And you can get some really trendy looks going in your house, maybe by just setting it in a basket um, and uh, just doing some very simple decor on him. So, so Jill, now talking about more decor that you can put inside your house now, now we just finished doing our house up and so we did all the big mantle over top Mom of the fire. Mom just sent me pictures this you, morning, good, yes. Okay, so you got the mantle across the fireplace all done up and we use a lot of uh, uh, cedar rope 
It had cedar and also had balsam fir in it. So we used the rope and then we took some, uh, some artificial poinsettias and stuck them, you know, uh, flowers and stuck them into there. And we did a bunch of, you know, berries and those kind of things and some actual branches from some, some shrubs and those kind of things just to give us some more I'll have to look. tag some of those pictures on the at Dutch Saskatoon yeah. Instagram page so that people can sort of see what we're talking about. But when, um, me and mom go out and we do those arrangements, we have the rope on the mantel place and she also put some on some of her sconces as well too and we use a product called wilt proof um when we're when we're doing that because these are not able to sit in water that, that was and my job i had to, i had to spray you, them you all were down. The yeah, i was the wilt proof guy and what wilt proof is it's, it's a, almost like a wax coating it's a completely natural product you spray on your cedar and what it does is it sort of seals in that moisture out of the um out of the needles and the the leaves so that it can't transpire and uh it keeps them lasting a lot longer now, one little trick because i i we put some up and then I had to go out and spray it. And so I had to use a piece of cardboard and stick oh, it in behind. No, no, no. So do it out in the garage, spray it all down first before you bring it to the house, let it dry and then bring it into the house. Yes, that's the best thing. Yes. And the other thing is in other areas where maybe you can get some pots or maybe a window box, put some oasis, which is like a sponge that you can hold water, stick some oasis in there and stick those greens into that oasis and it will keep them a lot fresher. Okay, we're going to come back after the break here and we're going to talk a little bit more of that. But also we have Elaine on the line. So from Spring Valley, we're going to get to her right after the break. This is Rick Van Dominick and Jill Van Dominick. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Rick and Jill Van Davendijk uh, right across Saskatchewan today. And we're going to go right to the call. But if you'd like to also join us, uh, Give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five, and that's by either uh, calling us and talking to us directly or giving us a, a text. But right now we're going to go to Elaine over in Spring Valley. Merry Hi, Christmas. Rick. Merry Christmas. How are you today? And same to you. Yes. I want to congratulate and thank the Van Dyvendyke family. I was in your uh, Regina store on Monday. Uh-huh. And uh, I asked them if I could buy a tent and pitch it there and stay there. <laughs> what a beautiful place. And so full of, just chock full of, of beautiful things. Uh, it really made my day. And, and uh, if I'm feeling a little bit down, I think of that. Well, you know what we could always do is, just, well, if you do come and you want to stay a little bit longer, we'll make sure we put a watering can in your hand so that you can at least do something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was there in, uh, in the morning before I went into the city for my appointments. And then I started stopped on my way out and didn't even take my wallet in because I didn't intend to buy any more, but I did buy some more. <laughs> had to go back and get my wallet. So yeah. thank you again. God bless you folks. And, and what a lot of people work. don't know is that that Regina location is a new location that just um, yes. popped up across the road there. So it if is. you haven't gone to check it out, it's definitely worth seeing. Oh. It's beautiful, beautiful. And the Christmas displays, um, the team, this Karen and Carson and the team there are just, yes. they're so good at what they yeah. do. And they're so, uh, they're so helpful and accommodating and stuff. Like I said, I just I just have to call and, and thank you guys. Thank <laughs> well, you so much. God Mer- bless everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Bye-bye. So also we have some text here, Jill. And so here we have... Um one is cave in Regina. She, I planted amaryllis about four weeks ago, and it's not growing. So another question again. So we did answer, I think we answered that question yeah, before. Yeah, so watch so your dormancy time. Um, increase your fertilizer after you've taken it out of dormancy yeah. and give it bright, indirect light. That should definitely so help they you. May, they may mm-hmm. need, to put it, need to put it into a fridge then, right? Make exactly. sure there's no fruit in with the fridge, okay, in the fridge with the bulbs, and then that will help it as well. Um, 
Not the freezer. That's too cold. It has it's to be the cold. fridge. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, that's important part. Uh, also here, uh, there's a text here, uh, from Ian in Saskatoon. He inundated with, uh, with gnats. Um, but then uh, he basically got rid of the gnats by, because he was growing some cat grass. Okay. And so, um, that when he bought the cat grass, he got rid of it, got rid of all that. But what could he have done instead of throwing out the cat grass? To be able to stop those uh, fungus gnats from coming into the into into this house from the soil that was well, in it. Well, there's a few things that you can do, and you can get those sticky traps, um, which definitely works. I sometimes will take my vacuum out and vacuum up as many of the adults as I can. Stick the sticky traps out, and then the other thing too is taking a small fan. They really do not like airflow, so putting a fan nearby, and then that will um, sort of get them to move to a different area. And if you don't have other plants in the area or fruits, um, that will definitely help too. Um, another thing is is putting a potato maybe. Be taking a little bit of cat grass out of the soil and putting a potato or an apple. Just a slice. Just a right? slice yep. in the soil and then that will attract all of those bugs to that area because it's got lots of uh, sugar in those yep. those things. So you can attract them to that area and then remove that little oh, bit of how soil. How long would you leave it there for? Uh, no more than 24 hours. Yep. So also you got to make sure they have a cat so the cat might decide he likes the potato or the piece of apple so <laughs> yes. you may have to put something on top of that on top of the, on top of that slice just to make sure the cat doesn't take that away as well. Exactly. But increasing the airflow and adding those sticky traps would definitely help and it's a nice organic way to control yep. it. Perfect. Good. So um, also, um, Jill, is that I noticed that in when people are buying the poinsettias, uh, they're, they're buying them and they come in this beautiful foiled sleeve. Okay? Or a nice big pot. Or a nice big pot. Now, one thing the problem is having is that nice sleeve is the reason why it's in the sleeve because it's decorative, but it also doesn't let water spill out. It's like a tray, right? But... What problems can you have with that uh, with that sleeve? Well, remember, poinsettias are native to like South America, Mexico area. So, um, making sure that they dry out between waterings is really important. So, when I water my poinsettia, usually you'll have sitting water in that sleeve or pot, and making sure you empty it out. The other thing that poinsettias do is they give off an ethylene gas, and so if you have that sleeve going up too high around, or the pot going up too high around the pot, it's going to actually give off this gas, and you'll start getting yellowing of the leaves. It also um, doesn't allow light to get to those bottom leaves and you'll start getting leaf drop near the base of the plant. So sometimes what I'll do is I will take it out of that decorative sleeve and maybe plant it into one of my pot sets so it can get lots of light in there um, or a pot with drainage or even when I'm watering, just make sure you take that sleeve off, empty the excess water out and you're good to go. Perfect. Perfect. Well, here we have um, Doreen from Regina. Good morning, Doreen. How are you today? Not too bad. And yourself? Very good. That's good. Uh, I would like some tips on protecting my garden from house sparrows. We've uh, it's the second year we had them this last summer, and uh, uh, first year they ate every all my lettuce, my beets, leaves. Just as soon as they came out of the ground, it was they were gone. And uh, <clears throat> this year, this last year, we put netting over it yep. over the garden, and, and uh, we've even found that they. Uh, when they nest or when they, they have their bath in the, the dry dirt, they, they've gotten right under the netting. And oh. we've caught them in there eating then. And, like, there's there's loads of them. It's not like they come in huge. They come in huge. I know we get them into the greenhouse every once in a while, and they're especially like the asparagus ferns, and they'll trim, they'll actually trim them, and so they won't even grow. And so, but, but that's about the only way, either that or uh, getting a, getting a cat, you know. But other than that, uh, you can also put up a scarecrow. I've okay. done that. I've put up a, a 
The owls, uh, yeah, yep. I've done, I've yep. done most of that. I've even taken a hose to them. <laughs> yeah, when you get the owl, you have to get one that's called the bobblehead owl, okay? It's the one that the head moves, okay? okay? If you get one with just a stationary, they can get a hawk or you can get an owl with just, just stationary head, uh-huh. they, they learn what that is pretty soon and they just sit on top of it and poop on the, on the, on the owl. That's right, yeah, <laughs> so, I've noticed that. So you have, to get a, you have to move it a bunch of times, but you get a bobblehead one because every time the wind blows, then it, it, it moves it. Also, you can get what's called a scarecrow sprinkler, okay? And oh. so what, it's a motion-detected sprinkler. Works good for deer and all kinds of birds and all, and all that kind of stuff. And as soon as there's a motion, it, it goes and it just scares them off. They don't like that, right? Yeah, they don't like the water, it seems like. So get that scarecrow and that motion detector. You've got to make sure you turn it off before you go in the garden because it'll get you too. But But other than that, that'll work as well. Okay. Otherwise, the netting, just make sure that you put some dirt around the edges so that they can't get underneath. Yeah, okay? they can uh, go pretty deep, though. I, I'm really surprised. Eh? But you you can see in the garden where, you know, there's low, you know, where they yep. fluffed, you know what I mean? Yep. And they're having their bath or whatever, so, and they 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 go quite... Uh, yeah, so just di- just make sure you dig a furrow, just like when you're planting your garden, and, okay. put, and put the netting into that furrow, and then just cover it, op- cover it o- over, okay? And okay. then that way there, it's in the ground a bit, and then you won't have that issue. Right, because we've had to take the netting up to take out the bird. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, just just make it go a little bit deeper with the netting so they just can't get underneath. Okay. All righty. Great. Have a Thank Merry Christmas. You, you too. So, um, Jill, uh, otherwise, right now we talked about the poinsettias and that kind of stuff. So uh, we also have here uh, Christmas cactuses. People are asking, you know, how do I get that to bloom? Well, there's a few ways you can get your Christmas cactus to bloom. Most of them will be starting to bloom already right now. Um, Maybe you had a Thanksgiving cactus, which is more upright cactus, and the Christmas cactuses tend to hang down. But um, putting them into a cool area and then moving them into bright area, increasing your fertilizer on them, and also causing them to stress a little bit will help them bloom too. Um, So yeah, Christmas cactuses, if you don't have one, a great Christmas gift. I know a lot of people will say that they've handed these Christmas cactuses down for generation to generation. So maybe that's something you want to get for a Christmas gift gift for somebody this year is a Christmas cactus that they can love and care for for years to come. Yeah, so there again, that's a great idea. Uh, there's lots of garden, little greenhouses and, and that kind of stuff right across Saskatchewan. And if you, they don't have the plants or anything like that, you can, you can actually get them a gift card for next year as well to get some, uh, some of that green gardening gifts type for Christmas. Well, Jill, that's the end of our show today. Thank you for joining us, everybody. And join us next week. Uh, I'm Rick Van Dominick and Jill Van Dominick. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.